You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we have a special message in store for you. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today. Turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. I am sure that there are hundreds of messages all throughout our land today being preached On 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. A verse that gives very clear direction how our flaws in our nation can be healed. Seldom do we consider the context around this verse. I think there's many here today that could probably stand and quote this verse by heart. But we find that this verse was given to us by our Lord during the dedication of Solomon's temple. I'm going to begin with verse uh, chapter 7 and verse 1 now. When Solomon had made an end of praying, the subject today that we'll consider is praying for our nation. When Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. Imagine that. And when all the children of Israel saw how fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. Now verse 11. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that came into Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord and in his own house he prospered, affected. Verse 12, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy what? Thy prayer. Pray for our nation. And I have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people... If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and what? Pray. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal. God mend our every flaw. I will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. Heavenly Father, I ask you today that you would just minister 
to us through thy Holy Spirit in a way that when we leave your house today, we are going to be different. That this whole idea of praying for our nation would permeate our very souls and that daily we would be praying for our country and for our president and for our Congress and for our governors and senators and those that are in authority. Father, we ask you to heal our land. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this is a week of celebration and we do celebrate. We're so very thankful for the freedoms that God has granted to us as a people here in this land. Without a doubt, we live in the greatest country on the face of the earth. A country that has been blessed by God and is still, is still being blessed of the Lord. And I can only think of a couple reasons why this country is still being blessed of the Lord. Number one is because of our godly founding fathers. And we're going to talk about them this morning. Number two, I believe our support of Israel is another reason why God continues to pour out his blessing upon this land of ours. So this week we celebrate. What do we celebrate this week? I think most of you would say, well, we celebrate the signing of the Declaration of Independence, right? Wrong. I think very few of you know this fact, but the Declaration of Independence was not signed until August 2nd, 1776. On July 4th, 1776, the First Continental Congress agreed to what would be in the Declaration of Independence, but it wasn't signed until August. How many of you here, that's uh, uh, new information for you? Can I just see your hand? Well, quite a few of you. The first prayer that was prayed before the assembly of the Continental Congress was prayed by Pastor Jacob Ducci. He read before his prayer Psalm chapter 35. Verse 18 of that chapter says this, I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. After reading the complete Psalm, Psalm 35, it would be good for you to read that psalm. Pastor Ducci broke forth in prayer. And this was the prayer he prayed during that First Continental Congress. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, high and mighty King of kings and Lord of lords, who dost from thy throne behold all the dwellers on earth and reignest with power supreme and uncontrolled over all the kingdoms, empires, and governments, look down in mercy, we beseech thee, on these our American states who have fled to thee from the rod of the oppressor and have thrown themselves on thy gracious protection, desiring to be henceforth dependent 
upon thee and thee only. To thee have they appealed for the righteousness of their cause. To thee do they now look up for that countenance and support which thou alone canst give them. Therefore, Heavenly Father, under the nurturing care, under thy nurturing care, give them wisdom in their counsel, valor in the field, defeat the malicious designs of our cruel adversaries, convince them of their unrighteousness, of their cause, and if they persist in their purposes of unerring justice, Sounding in their hearts, constrain them to drop the weapons of war from their unnerved bands in the day of battle. Be thou present, O God of wisdom, and direct the counsel of this honorable assembly. Enable them to settle things on the best and surest foundation, that the scene of blood may speedily close, that order harmony and peace may be effectually restored and truth and justice, religion and piety prevail and flourish among the American people. Preserve the health of their bodies and vigor of their minds. Shower down on them and the millions they have represented such temporal blessings as thou seest expedient for them in this world and crown them with the everlasting glory in the world to come. All this we ask in the name and through the merits of Jesus Christ, the Son and Savior. Amen. What a prayer that was prayed in that first assembly. John Adams writes a letter to his wife Abigail which really preserves for us an understanding of the impact that that pastor's reading of the scripture and his prayer had on our first congress. This is what he writes to his wife Abigail. I never saw a greater effect upon an audience. Ducci struck out in prayer which filled the bosom of every man that was present. I must confess, I never heard a better prayer or one so well pronounced. It had an excellent effect upon everyone there. You see, in the early years of our country, in the first 200 years of the signing of the Declaration of Independence, every young person in our public schools were taught that almost all of the signers of the Declaration of Independence were men of faith. Most of them unashamed professing Christians. Nearly every American knows the beginning of the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be what? Self-evident that all men are created and are endowed by their with certain unalienable rights, 
that among these, same with me, are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so for our first 200 years, all of our young people educated in our schools understood the Christian basis of the, of the Declaration of Independence. But things have dramatically changed in America. American schools. And I'm sorry to say this, but American schools have been taken over by the humanist. They have been taken over by the atheist and the secularist who despise Christianity. They have rewritten history. Atheist, secularist, humanist have taken over our mass media. They have taken over the television. They have taken over our movies. They have taken over our magazines and our internet. They claim that only a handful, only a handful, only a small handful of our founding fathers were Christians. And that for the most part, they were all atheists who had no belief in God whatsoever, and those who did were deists. Who believe that even if there is a God, he basically has forsaken man and just left him to his own devices. That he is not involved and he is not interested in the affairs of men. Listen to me. That is rewritten history. That is not true. What your children are being taught in our atheistic atheistic learn not the way of the heathen in our atheistic humanistic schools is false history of the 56 signers of the declaration of independence 29 29 held seminary and Bible college degrees. 29 went to Bible school and studied the Bible. Four of them were full-time pastors. Of the 204 men who are considered our founding fathers, to who are these 204? Four men. First of all, they were those men who signed the Declaration of Independence. Those men who signed the Articles of Confederation. Those who attended the first Constitutional Convention. They were those who were senators in the first Federal Congress. They were those who were U.S. representatives in the first Federal Congress. There was 204 of them. 88, are you still with me today? 88 of them were Episcopalians. 30 were Presbyterians. Seven, 27 were Congregationalists. 7 were Quakers. 6 were Dutch Reform, or German Reformed. 5 were Lutherans. 3 were Catholics. 
Three were Huguenots, which are French Protestants. Three were Unitarians. Two were Methodists. And one was a Calvinist. Now, if my math is correct, and it has to be because I use my cell phone, <laughs> that comes up to 175. Our public schools are teaching our children a lie. 175 of the 240 founders were Christians in their religious affiliation. That leaves 29, only 29, that would be considered deist or had no religious affiliation at all. It makes me think, are these atheists, are these secularists, are these humanists, are they studying history? Or are they just revisionists? Have they ever read the Declaration of Independence. I would like to know how many of those running for public office have read the Declaration of Independence, much less the Constitution. The last paragraph in the Declaration of Independence was a prayer. It begins by these words, appealing to the supreme judge of the world. If you take your Webster's Dictionary and look up the word appeal, you know what it means? Prayer. Appealing. Praying. To the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude, the moral, correct thinking and behavior that we so desperately need. Boy, do we need that today. Amen. We need a rectitude. We need some moral clarity. We need some correct thinking and behavior among our leaders. Let me go ahead and read the closing prayer of the Declaration. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in general Congress assembled, appealing, praying to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies sub, uh, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are of a right and ought to be free and independent states that they are absolved from allegiance to the British crown and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved and that as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish com commerce, and to, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And of the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine 
providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortune, and our sacred honor. There is no other reasonable explanation of the wording of the Declaration of Independence than the simple fact that our founding fathers were men of faith. Men who believed in a God and believed that God was actively involved in the affairs of men and that God answers prayer. We are all, or should I put it this way, we should all be concerned about the moral and spiritual condition of our nation. It is appalling. Many of our churches have departed from the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Our families are absolutely a mess. We should be concerned. But now I ask you, how concerned are we? Are we so entangled in the affairs of this life that what is going on around us really does not stir us to prayer? Take your Bible and turn to Isaiah chapter 5 with me. Isaiah chapter 5 and beginning with verse 20. Read through verse 23. I think this perfectly describes the generation that we now find ourselves in. I don't know how many of you Wednesday night after church, because I know you all were in church Wednesday night. After church went home and watched the Democratic debates. They were aired on Wednesday night and Thursday night, and I do try to keep myself abreast on what is going on politically. I think that's important for me to do. As a pastor, I think it's important for me to speak on these issues from time to time. But I watched the Democratic debates. They were appalling. I would call their agenda a radical agenda of immorality. To see how every one of those candidates were in full agreement of pushing forward the LGBTQ lifestyle. To see every one of them admit to abortion on demand right up till the time of birth. I was so grieved and I was so angered, especially by the women on stage that were just so pro-abortion. I just wanted someone to say, you're killing babies. But no one would frame it that way. It was all framed as 
a woman's right to her own body to do with her own body what she wants to do with her body, and no one has a right to tell her what to do. To see the liberalism and the socialism Isaiah 5, verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good. To see a homosexual man who's now married to another man running for the highest office in our land. Woe unto them that call Evil good and good evil that put darkness for light, light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That is exactly where we're at. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink. Listen, listen, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from them. We are literally having our righteousness taken from us. And what is happening is that the, the liberal socialistic left has turned morality on its head. Now we are the one, those who embrace the morality of Scripture as our founders did, are now the ones that are unrighteous. Are you concerned? Are we concerned enough to pray? If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and what? Have you prayed for our nation today? Do you pray for our nation every day? How many of you here would admit with me, no, Pastor, I do not pray for our nation every day. I'm going to raise my hand. That's the problem. The other night I was watching Newsmax TV and it struck my interest. I had heard the man's name mentioned many times, but I really didn't know who he was. But his name is David Horowitz. How many have heard of David Horowitz? He's a Jew. And he's just written a book called The Dark Agenda, The War to Destroy Christianity in America. The War to Destroy Christianity in America. And I watched the entire interview. It was quite fascinating that here was a Jew that was talking about the destruction 
of Christian morality and faith in America by the liberal left. An article in the New American written by Troy Anderson writes this, In his new book, Dark Agenda, The War to Destroy Christian America, which is now a New York Times bestseller, author David Horitz wrote that the liberal establishment and their radical allies envision a godless, heathen American society in which Christianity is banished. Better understand this. Their success, he argues, could destroy the very fabric of America's political order and culture. He warns that the rising attacks on Christians and their beliefs threaten all Americans, including Jews, such as himself, because these are attacks on the very founding principles of America. Another review of David Horowitz's book, Dark Agenda, says tackling a broad range of issues from the removal of prayer in our public schools to the globalist mindset, Horowitz traces the anti-Christian movement to its roots in socialistic communism. What do we now see embraced by the Democratic Party? Socialism. Only one man stood on the stage of the whole 20 and said, we cannot call ourselves socialists. If we do, we'll never be elected. And yet all the others are embracing socialism. Dark agenda shows how the progressive Democrat... Do you understand? This is the first time... In 37 years that I have ever promoted a book other than the Bible from the pulpit. Dark Agenda shows how the progressive Democrats, the mainstream media, as well as America's educational system, are prepared to use any means necessary to stifle their opponents who support the concept of religious liberty that America was founded on. And how the battle to destroy Christianity is really the battle to destroy America. We're living in dark days. There is a dark agenda behind these political movements. Satan is the god of this world. Here's an excerpt from David Horowitz's book. He said, The U.S. Capitol Visitor Center, which was just a few years ago finished, is less a monument to the nation's founding and institutions than it is to the anti-religious left's vision of America. This is unbelievable. All references to God and faith have been carefully and deliberately edited out of its photos, its historical displays and documents. For example, the national motto is said to be E pluribus unum, out of many, when in fact 
our nation's motto has always been what? In God we trust. So let's just change history. Among other historical travesties, a large image of the Constitution was photoshopped to remove the words in the year of our Lord above the signatures of the signers. He gives all kinds of... Similarly, similarly, the table on which President Lincoln placed his Bible during the second inauguration is on display, but the Bible was removed. Are you concerned? Are you concerned enough to pray? Before preaching this message today, I have to be honest with you. As deeply as I am concerned about where we're going as a country, it has not moved me to pray for our nation every day. By God's grace, that's going to change in my life. I have vowed to God that every day I'm going to pray for our country. We've all noticed the rise of religious persecution in America. I want to read to you just a portion of a Fox News article. Christian persecution is not just happening overseas. Many in the U.S. are now being targeted for their faith. We need to look up this article online. And then it gives example after example after example after example after example of how our Christian faith is being targeted by the left. Incidences like these demonstrate how Christians are now being targeted in the United States for adhering to their beliefs and values. I'm going to tell you something. You listen to me. If the rapture doesn't happen, they will be coming after our church. I guarantee you 100% they're going to be coming after this church and they're going to be coming after this preacher. You mark it down, you get ready, it is going to happen. It's going to happen under hate crimes legislation. That's how it's going to happen. Which they're trying to ram through Congress right now. When we realize that the threat of religious persecution isn't as far away from home as we may think, the article says we need to take a stand and be vocal opponents for our rights starting today. You know, I say amen to that, but Fox News is leaving one element out. What is it? Prayer. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and what? We got to pray. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the Thessalonican believers who were undergoing persecution under Roman occupation, what did he tell them to do? Pray without ceasing. 
Isn't it interesting? We just kind of missed it. How many of you here would agree that prayer should be a priority of each one of our lives? Can I see your hand? How many of you would also agree with me that prayer is one of the most difficult disciplines to establish in our lives? I believe that Satan fights us tooth and nail to keep us from praying. From making it a part of our daily life. Jesus spoke on the subject of prayer and he spoke on the subject of faith and they headed the top of his list of his teachings. Look at all the teachings of Christ. What are the two at the top? Prayer and faith. Number one, number two. Jesus not only taught the importance of prayer, he practiced it. There are passages of scripture such as Mark chapter 1 that talked about how our Lord Jesus would get up very early in the morning while it was still dark. And he would go to a solitary place and what would he do? What do you think would happen if we all started to get up before daylight and we all started to pray for our country? What do you think? You think things might change? Wow. Let's go to Second Timothy. Chapter two. Since our Lord Jesus emphasized prayer and the importance of prayer. And he gave us an example that we should follow in his steps. Let's consider this passage as we close. Verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I am in the wrong passage. That's a good one. Maybe I, maybe I needed 1 Timothy. Which one am I looking for? It says pray for all those who are in authority. 1 Timothy chapter 2. That's it. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, very specific prayer request, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For who? Kings. And for all that are in authority that we may live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. 
For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. I love this verse. Who will have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. You know, as I saw that debate taking place, my first emotions were anger. I did. I literally got angry as to where we are as a country that we could put people like that on the stage running for office. Then my anger turned into sorrow. And then, after I watched the debate for a while, I started to have compassion because I looked at each one of these people and I knew they were lost without Christ. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. The daily discipline of prayer requires that we start making it a priority in our lives. It's not easy to do that, spending uninterrupted time with the Heavenly Father. But listen, redeem the time. There's no better way to redeem the time because the days are evil than spending time in prayer. I'll close with these final thoughts. Jesus, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, uninterrupted prayer. And when thou hast shut the door, leave the cell phone, leave the computer, make it a soundproof booth so you can't hear the kids crying. Shut the door. Pray to thy Father which is in secret. And then it says this, and thy Father which is in secret, what? Shall reward thee openly. Where do you fit prayer into your schedule? Do you have a set time every day when you pray? Are your prayers only reserved for meal times? Do you only pray when you need God's help? Of the 24 hours that God has given us in a day, how much time do you spend with Him every day? God, men are every flaw. The prescription has been given to us. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Let's not be a part of the problem. Let's be a part of the solution. Then God promises I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. How many of you want to see our land healed? starts with us. So have every head bowed, every eye closed.
You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.